the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast. You want to be uplifted? You want to have optimism? You want to fall in love with someone today? Stay tuned. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Ada Akpala is a young woman I've become familiar with online. Yes, this is it. She's from the UK. She still lives there. Actually, her family is originally from Africa. And now she has become part of this movement of individualism, of just being a human, not relying on your identity, your gender, your skin color, any of that, but just being a human. And she is, get this, she's in favor of civil debate. But what we have today is a conversation with this delightful young woman whom I'm certain you're going to fall in love with, Ada Akpala. And that is coming up. But first, I just have to ask you, are you worried about thinning hair? What's going on with that? Are you know, does it run in the family? There is a solution. And it's brought to us by our friends at GenuCell Skincare. And you know how much I love them. And this is called Provia Hair, P-R-O-V-I-A Hair. Com. And if you go there to proviahair.com slash Michelle, you're going to find some real solutions that you can use on your own hair. This is safe for men, women, any age. And it's it uses a, an ingredient called percapil. And that effectively targets the three main causes of premature hair thinning and loss. It supports healthy scalp circulation. It delivers nourishing nutrients. And it enhances healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp. And Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or on your comb. Like I said, any age, men or women, safe on colored, treated style hair, it's super easy. New customers right now, you can save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at proviahair.com slash Michelle. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia serum for daily use, plus Provia 30 Super Concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Provia works, guaranteed, or 100% of your money back. See results for yourself right now. Don't wait. ProviaHair.com slash Michelle. P-R-O-V-I-A Hair. That's all one word. Dot com slash Michelle with one L. ProviaHair.com slash Michelle. I am thrilled to introduce to an American audience this young woman from the UK. Ada Akpala is our guest next. Ada Akpala, I found you on Twitter and I just kind of fell in love with you instantly. I think we share a lot of the same viewpoints about things. And so first I just, I want my audience to sort of get to know who you are and how you came to be doing what you're doing. So let's start with the, am I saying this right? The Equiano Project? You are, yes. You and are, yes. What is, what is it? First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. So like many people after the 2020 sort of, you know, awakening, as some people like to call it, I saw a lot of things, a lot of narratives that were being sort of, you know, purported out there. 
And, you know, there were things like how, you know, certain demographics, you know, were thinking and how they were feeling. And, you know, because I, I was also in this demographic, you know, I was thinking, actually, there's something a little bit off here. So I basically just started to speak out and challenge a lot of the lies and misconceptions around race, race relations, racial history, sort of the mindset. And, you know, there were these narratives. And to be more specific, this was coming from majority of the time from the left. Right. So I was seeing a lot of narratives about the collective mindset and, you know, black people being oppressed and who we were supposedly oppressed by. And it didn't match up with my reality. And I said I was, I was going to speak out against that. And so I've, I've been doing that around two years, writing in different sort of spaces, speaking out on my social media and YouTube as well. And I joined the Equiano Project earlier this year. So the Equiano Project is founded by Inaya Follerin, Iman. So she's a journalist, a broadcast journalist here in the UK. And we're all about debate, discussion, ideas, something that sort of, you know, uh, uh, nearing to be a taboo nowadays, right? You just stay <laughs> yeah. in line, you, you know, stick with the script and everything will be okay. So we've created this space to challenge that and say, actually, there's room for discussion, there's room for debate, there's room for ideas, even about the most so-called controversial issues. And that's who we are. It is wonderful because debate is shrinking and we'd like to see it grow again. And I think that is a really courageous stance. 2020, which you mentioned, so many things happened and we were supposed to just, as you said, fall in line with certain narratives. There are two classes of people, the oppressed and the oppressors. That's it. And then, of course, we had the COVID thing come in where you had to just line up behind science. You weren't allowed to ask questions. So debate, I just saw it being shut down and shut down. And in fact, it's really healthy to have debate, to have civilized conversations about things. Um, what part of the narrative, again, you, you touched on it a little bit, did you see that didn't comport with your own life experiences? So the main one that was really personal to me was about privilege, right? So because you had a certain skin color, then that meant that you were, you know, in a certain position in the social hierarchy. So we have to be careful about certain things. Yes, I know that there are sort of things beyond our control sometimes. I'm an individualist, but I can appreciate that there's certain things that you may have to sort of be clever about in terms of how to, you know, achieve success and find the best path for you. However, to say how categorically that because you have higher levels of melanin in your skin, that means that automatically you are in a fixed position of disadvantage. That was very problematic for me, given my own background. You know, I am an immigrant to this country. We came a very long time ago, but we didn't come because we were fleeing anything. You know, we came just because we had a condition to. We were already stable in my country actually doing very pretty well you know that everyone in my family are high professionals I'm, I'm talking surgeons lawyers and I'm saying all that to say that when I came here and there was this talk of you know you being oppressed and automatically held back and there was no respect for my own individual journey though people like to talk about lived experiences 
but it's funny that some lived experiences don't actually matter or contribute much to to the conversation. So I saw a lot of inconsistencies, right? I saw a lot of inconsistencies in, in the rhetoric. And I thought, this is something that doesn't sit right with me. And I'm going to challenge that. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm so grateful for your voice in this because I think some people are flat out just afraid to get involved in the conversation. There's the cancel culture. There are the names you get called. And I've talked to a number of people of color on this podcast who tell me they've lost friends. uh, You know, they've been canceled in what other way they get called all the typical names. What has been your experience since you started speaking out? Oh, it's been <laughs> it's been interesting um but before i talk about it i just want to say it's so important to know you know there's all this narrative this talk nowadays right know yourself and all these things but do people actually apply that and i would <laughs> say no because yeah. i have so much i'm not saying that i don't feel maybe nervous sometimes or even afraid i mean when your sort of tweet goes viral and you kind of get all the vitriol and the backlash sometimes Mm -hmm. i'm a human being i can i notice that but i find so much strength in knowing who i am and what i've been through right my life experience speaks louder than any hatred that i get from other people And it even fuels me, right? When people say, actually, you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't experienced racism. I'm like, I've experienced the same issues as any other human being has, right? And keyword of human being, not as any other black person has, or we all have the same similar experiences in different ways, right? So coming from that humanist universal um, approach has been my guiding force and my guiding principle. And, you know, as I started to touch and yes, I have had a lot of, you know, um, um, backlash and, but also a lot of support, a lot of people who have felt imprisoned, you know, by their thoughts. And for me, what warms my heart is actually, let's say ethnic minorities as well, even, you know, black Americans, you know, over there in the States, a lot of ethnic minorities here just saying, reaching out, I've been trapped. I felt, you know, things haven't been, you know, things aren't right. You know, I've, I've lived in this country for a very long time, or I came from another place, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to strive and, you know, overcome a lot of barriers and it feels like we're regressing now, you know, we're at, we're at a point in society that actually things 
did progress, you know, dramatically. And it looks like we're regressing now and we're putting to the forefront something that we should be burying, you know, which is judging one another by superficial, arbitrary characteristics of skin color. Well, when you say all of this, Ada, it kind of, you, you are echoing so many of my own thoughts about how in spite of all the progress here in the States, we've had our first president of color. We right now have a, a female woman, a woman of color in the vice presidency. We have made strides and you can see them and you can document them. And yet it almost seems as though the more progress that is being made, uh, the more people want to push back and go, not so fast, you know, let's still, let's relitigate racism. Let's relitigate slavery. Let's relitigate all of these things and and they and they somehow seem to think that this stuff isn't being taught or that some of us weren't taught. Oh my gosh, I learned about slavery in second grade, you know? So it's it's really strange. And I, I have to I have to say there's a bit of a parallel going on right now. So we saw that the Arab world and, and the Jewish world of Jewish nation of Israel were starting to normalize their relations. Some people just didn't want that to happen. And we see what's gone on because of that. These are age old issues, but some people don't want to see progress. They say they want to see progress, but they seem to ignore the progress that has been made. It's almost, do you believe that there are people who keep this going because it's, it's, it's um, profitable to them in some way? The, the the question then becomes, who is this profiting, right? Who are these so-called people? Some people call them the elites. Some people just kind of say those at the top, right? But the fact of the matter is that division is profitable, right? Whether that's economically or whether that's just in terms of status and power, right? To be able to divide people, it's easier for you to manipulate. Why? Because there's confusion. You mentioned covid why were why did we all go nuts? <laughs> it wasn't just because of fear. It was also yeah. confusion, utter confusion. They divided the masses. They put us in cohorts, vaccinated versus not, and so on and so forth. So what that creates is a confusion. Well, why do you believe what you believe? And why am I wrong? And there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty. And that's the prime way to keep people under your control right so it's it's so it, you know we have a lot of these discussions and i think well we're kind of all getting it from our individual sides but why can't we cross over to yeah. the other side or I, I don't really like this language but that is what it is today and kind of get that together because the left kind of says, yes, we know we're being divided and controlled. And then the right says, yes, we know. But then we're not having these conversations together. And it's yeah. because of identity politics and ideologically driven narratives. Oh, you've, you've put it so well. And what I'm, I keep smiling on my end because it's so much of what you've experienced in the UK, we've experienced here in the United States. And, and I'm sort of tickled by that because it's sometimes we seem far apart, but no, you guys are saying the same things. You know, and I, I do hold the media accountable for a lot of this. It seems like most of the media tend to lean one way and they will do the governments or the elites or the higher ups bidding. Uh, and, and yet we've, we've proven time and time again that that's not always true. 
that those people are capable of lying to us. That's the starkest term I can use. Um, Feeding us misinformation, or as you put it beautifully, they're keeping us confused and divided. So I guess I'm so impressed that you're part of this group because we've got to find a solution, right? I, I feel in America right now, oh, we're so divided and it's so awful. And very often you just can't, you cannot get two point of views to even find any mutual ground because they feel that they're enemies of one another. So debate, civil debate is one step in the right direction. What else, Ada, can we be doing? Um, the easy, for me, the easiest one is recognizing that shared common humanity, right? And there's some things that will also, that will always transcend cultural boundaries and, you know, historical differences. And that is our similarity as human beings. Um, and that's why I always say it's not about getting rid of, you know, having a one religion, you know, society or one race kind of society. These things aren't interesting to me. I like the differences. You know, I, I like sort of the variety and of, of culture and so on and so forth. But we have to find a common ground, like you mentioned. And, you know, it's good that you mentioned the UK and the US having these kind of differences in polarization and tribalism is really what we're seeing with the war on the West, right? As Douglas Murray puts it, you know, this attack on liberalism and sort of the enlightenment values um, of, you know, um, equality under the law and, you know, individualism and so on. And sometimes I read the critiques of, you know, well, it didn't work but it's the best we have. And instead of throwing it away and throwing it down, throwing it out, how can we make it work? And to say it hasn't worked is a lie, but you know, yes. let's entertain that anyway. How can we make it better? Okay, there was one point that not everyone was seen as equal under, right. under the law, even seen as human beings under the law. Okay, well, we are meant to evolve. We, we learn, we're meant to take that learning and that knowledge and apply it not reverse these principles that, you know, um, that really are, you know, the, the, the recipe for, you know, a stable civilization, a, a cooperative, you know, um, secure society. It works. So yeah. it's, it's really, I think those, a lot of people, um, I don't like to use this term, but I will use it sort of white liberals, you know, that kind of, <laughs> celebrate you know this kind of attack on democracy and attack on western values they will regret it and you know me i talk to my friends sometimes and we say you know it's so funny that immigrants that come into these countries just hold on and latch on to these values because sometimes we've seen you know what the absence of these kind of thinking and western you know principles can do to a civilization and society right we see that and sometimes you have people who are, you know, who don't. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. It, one of the things that I wanted to get to with you, because you, you talk about this a lot in your postings and so forth. And, and I am this term microaggression. And I know some people very personally who believe firmly that microaggressions are really harmful. First, how would you define what a microaggression is? 
So it's it's these slights and sort of insults, right? I think the founder of it, Dr. Wing Su, if I'm not saying his name wrong, I think they kind of separated it into three parts. So you had the micro assaults and the micro insults, and then that wasn't enough. So the micro assaults and insults are kind of the actions, right? Or the comments. So that's the proactivity of it. And then that's not enough. Just then you had micro invalidation. So not doing something or not commenting or not including. And, you know, I find these things so, you know, um, problematic, to be honest, for relationships, you know, um, whether that's personally or whether that's just in general, just people understanding how to interact with each other. And I've said it a lot of times, there's no way in hell I want someone to be awkward or unsure because they see these physical characteristics about myself, you know, being from Africa or having dark skin. That for me is the epitome of racism in in all essence, when you have to second guess and judge and, you know, treat me differently or approach me differently based on the color of my skin. And that's what I was trying to get at earlier. There's so much inconsistencies with the goals that people claim to have. So what is your goal with with things like microaggression? Because it's not to foster harmony or social cohesion. It's to do the complete opposite. And that's why what one of my, the main things I love to do as far as I'm able is to call out these lies and these misconceptions, you know, so I I would usually see a story and I would say, well, actually I've experienced that and that's not what happened. Or actually someone from my so-called group has done exactly the same thing. Again, emphasizing the commonality within all of us, right? right? Because oftentimes I'll see a silly story of a white woman or white man saying or do something. And I'm like, hold on, we do that in our community all the time. So why is it different when, you know, um, a white person does it and it's not when we do it? It's for me, you're putting a different kind of morality or a different kind of standard into the, the another group. And it's just all backward to me. And I think the response of some of these diehard, you know, people who are the believe that microaggressions are harmful and so forth, they would say, well, you uh, as the white person, you don't know what it's like to be oppressed. You don't know you you weren't segregated. You did not grow up in Jim Crow, the Jim Crow South, you you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Neither did they. (laughs) Neither did they. Right. None of us grew up exactly alike. And so to put these constraints on people, like my last name is Tafoya. So I suppose if someone said, oh, what kind of a name is that? Is that a microaggression? Because my name isn't Smith or Jones or, you know, or you have a really interesting outfit on. Where are you from? That's a microaggression. Uh, People have been fired for these things from their livelihoods. And it seems to me that then you're saying, you're saying, if you're a proponent of this belief, you are saying that people can't handle themselves, that people are so fragile that they can't handle being asked a certain question about anything that might be tinged with a bit of difference or, you know, curiosity. Um, it is, you've said it, it's problematic. I think it's insane. So. And I- <laughs> Yeah. And I find it so interesting. I love this line of, well, you don't know about my experiences, but have you noticed 
that these a lot of people that claim to be oppressed or you know they talk about lived experiences and all that they can tell you about their experiences and their philosophy personal philosophies and they can also tell you about yours but you can't do vice versa so they can tell you that you know I talked about privilege earlier so there's no dispute in them. You are privileged because of the color of your skin and that's mm. it. And I am oppressed. And it doesn't matter what you've been through individually. So they can tell you about your own experiences, your own state of mind. But it's funny that the reverse can't happen. And I think that's another big problem about this. Well, it's, it, yeah, it's very telling. And quite frankly, if we want to keep slicing and dicing the population into these tiny little uh, intersectional groups, then I could say, well, woe is me. I'm a Hispanic brunette female who had three siblings. And those of us who are Hispanic brunette females who had three siblings, we all, and I was the youngest of, uh, of the four of us, we all suffered a very specific kind of grief or imbalance or oppression. I mean, you can slice it and dice it any way you want, can't you, under these, uh, under these beliefs? Exactly. And that's the ironic thing about intersectionality because you know it, it wasn't enough to kind of have one oppressed group then it was like actually we want to be we are oppressed in a different way and then yeah. that group is an oppressed basically all that is saying everything I've been saying here and it's that liberal idea of actually we all have our own unique experiences right. individually and that's okay what is that's okay that's fine it doesn't need a yeah. you know technological name that's just called being an individual but <laughs> what annoys me about intersectionality is that they always slice and dice it like you said to see who's the most oppressed how about slicing and dicing to see actually you know people this is another taboo word but that's okay okay you came from a a stable family, you know, two parent home or one parent home, but the, the surroundings were, you know, great. You know, you had someone in the home who, you know, pushed you like I did to succeed, to not care about, you know, what people say, you know, the basic right. <laughs> elementary stuff. Why right. don't we slice and dice it those ways? Why is it just trying to figure out and hunt out who the most oppressed group or person is to be honest before intersectionality was the triple oppression theory that came from the communist party you know that started with black women so actually we're not just oppressed we're oppressed black women and you know and previously enslaved or something i don't don't remember the 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 third factor but it's it's all victimhood politics and it needs to be eradicated from our culture it truly does i can't imagine why any parent any teacher, any adult would want to suggest to a young child that they don't have agency over their life because of any one particular part of their physical being. It it sickens me. And I want all kids, all kids to know that they can thrive if they want to. And, you know, every kid is going to have his or her own talents and strengths. Let them, let them grow those and not think about that this this notion that they are oppressed. I mean, tell that to Booker T. Washington. I always go back to Booker T. because he's such a hero of mine. But Ada, that's all we have time for. I am so pleased to have met you. And I am going to amplify your social media and all that you are doing. I think it's incredibly important. And uh, thank you so much for being with us. 
I'm so grateful to be to have been invited to your podcast and thank you so much and I love everything that you do and your podcast as well huge fan so thank you for having me on today Thank you, Ada. And again, you see on the graphics there where you can find her online and on X and everywhere else. Um, Like her, like Ada. Please be brave and do good. And we will see you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.